Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. It's this atmosphere of love that Jesus wants to see cultivated in his church that's going to be a welcoming thing to others on the outside. You know, in the world today, you don't find a whole lot of love. It's not a real loving place out there. And there's got to be some place, there's got to be some people where there's an atmosphere of love and where you sense that real spirit of love, and that's to be the church. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 25, in a message titled, Serving God Acceptably. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Hebrews chapter 13, that is where we come to today, and we come to the final chapter of this great letter to the Hebrews. And we're going to finish up the epistle today. We're going to skip a couple of verses, though, because we're going to come back to those and we're going to concentrate on those verses. But I want to take us all the way out to the end of the 13th chapter today and just kind of finish up at least. We'll have at least two finishings of Hebrews. And this today is going to be the first one. And so Backing up, just to get the context, in verse 28 of chapter 12, he says this, the writer, he says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And so this 28th verse of the 12th chapter is the lead into the final instructions of the epistle. And the various things mentioned in verses 1 through 19 are are really some of what it looks like to serve God, because that's the kind of the final word that he's given us. This This is the mandate for us as God's people. Since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, We are to have our our focus on that kingdom, that future kingdom that's coming. And in the present time, we are to be serving God in an acceptable way. And so here in uh, chapter 13, he gives us 12 different things that are things that we are are to be doing. Uh, It's not an exhaustive list. It's not like there aren't other things that could be included But here he gives us 12 things that we are uh, to do as we serve God and await the coming of that unshakable kingdom. And right at the top of his list, he says, let brotherly love continue. Brotherly love, that's that's the top priority for the Lord in regard to his people, that we would love each other that we would be a people who dwell in, a, in an atmosphere of love. And, and that's to be the, the characteristic, really, uh, of the church. You know, Jesus said, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And we, in as much as we, we do love one another, then that's speaking loudly to the world. If we're not loving each other, 
if the world's looking on and seeing that, you know, Christians are all you know, bitter against one another and they're all divided up and they're fighting each other over, you know, this, that, and the other thing, that's going to work against our testimony. And so when he says, let brotherly love continue, uh, he's, he's indicating that we've got to really put forth an effort here. We've got to work hard at this. You know, isn't it true? I know it's true in my life. I have to fight it. Uh, sometimes we can be so uh, just sort of petty about things. You know, we, we can be so critical of one another. We can be so often so critical of other Christians. And, you know, somebody maybe doesn't see things exactly the way we do. And so we find fault with them. Or somebody maybe has a different, slightly different approach to ministry than we do. So we think, well, you know, there, there's just something a little bit wrong with that. And we, many times, uh, people don't have any problem expressing their opinion about uh, how they, they don't like the way this church does this or, or this group of Christians does that. And, you know, all that really does, it just serves to undermine our witness. We are, as, as Paul said in, in writing to the Ephesians, we studied this a while back when we were going through Ephesians, we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That means we got to work at it because our natural tendency is to oftentimes be critical and to, you know, cause strife and contention. And, and we just have to get beyond that. We have to learn not to do that because it's this atmosphere of love that Jesus wants to see cultivated in his church that's going to be a, a welcoming thing to others on the outside. You know, in the world today, you don't find a whole lot of love. It's just, you know, it's not a real loving place out there. And there's got to be some place, there's got to be some people where there's an atmosphere of love and where you sense that, that real spirit of love, and that's to be the church. We are to be that people. So we cultivate it among ourselves. And, you know, isn't it interesting when you think of the, the church? The church is, you know, it's a body of Christ. It's made up of all kinds of different people from all different backgrounds and all different cultures and all different ethnic backgrounds. And, and you know, God's intentionally done this. He's put us all together. And in many cases, we don't have a whole lot in common. But we do have one thing in common, and it's the most important thing, and that's that God is our Father, and we are the followers of Christ. And it's that central thing that's to bring us together and all the things that would naturally divide us are just to kind of, you know, fall off of us as a result of the greater common denominator, which is our relationship with Jesus and our love for Jesus. I think of uh, so many people who have become lifelong friends of mine, friends that I, I just... I absolutely love them. They love me. We, you know, we just have that deep bond of love. And I sometimes think, I look at them and think, you know, had I never become a Christian, I would have never had any association with this person. I would have never probably met them. And even if I had met them, I wouldn't have been drawn to have any kind of a relationship with them because, you know, we just come from such different places. But the Lord does away with all of that stuff. And he brings us together. And those things are no longer important. What the, what the real important thing is, is who Jesus is and our love for him. And he, and he brings us together. It's a beautiful thing. 
But the enemy always wants to interfere with that. He's always trying to rip that apart. And so we've got to let brotherly love continue. We've got to be active in our efforts to make sure we are loving each other. And as we love each other, then of course, as, as a body collectively, as the church itself, we can project that attitude of love out into the world that people are going to see and people are going to respond to. They're going to be drawn to that. So it starts right there with letting brotherly love continue. Secondly, he says, do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Now the word entertain here is better translated hospitable. Be hospitable toward or show, show hospitality to And he says, do not forget to entertain or to show hospitality to strangers. This is another thing with the church. We are to be hospitable. We're to be welcoming. We're to be those who are embracing of others. I, I was listening to a guy share his testimony, and he was talking about how he was invited to a church, never been to church in his entire life, had no Real, no, really no concept of church because he grew up in a family where there was just no emphasis whatsoever on anything religious. So he'd never gone to church. And as a uh, young man, he was invited by a friend to go to church, so he went. And he tells of his experience. You know, here he is. He's it's kind of an outsider because he doesn't know anybody except the person who brought him. He comes into an atmosphere where they're, you know, much like we would do, they're worshiping, there's music, they're maybe uh, expressing worship, they're lifting their hands and things like that. And of course, he thinks this is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And he talks about how awkward he felt because he didn't know anybody. He felt like he was just, you know, really sort of standing out there and everybody just kind of knew that he shouldn't have been there. Felt very uncomfortable, he said. But at the end of the, of the service, he said someone came to him and introduced themselves, said they were very kind and welcomed him to the church and then said, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And he didn't know what else to say, so he said, okay. <laughs> and they prayed for him. But he said when they prayed for him, he said he had a feeling that he'd never had before. And he said he knew now what it was. It was the love of God just flooded over his life. But his point was, when that person showed hospitality, when that person came up and and welcomed him and made him feel like he was wanted, and that just, that turned everything around for him, and then especially the prayer. And that's the way we are supposed to be. Now, in these days, Christians would travel from city to city, and oftentimes they would come into a a place where they didn't know anybody. But the way the early church looked at things is they should welcome those strangers that came from different places and they should show the hospitality first to their own, to their, to their people. So as Christians would come in, they would do this. But then, of course, oftentimes it would extend beyond the believers as well. But he says an interesting thing here. He says, don't forget to be hospitable to strangers Because some have unwittingly entertained or shown hospitality to angels. Now, he's no doubt reflecting back on the story from Genesis 18, where Abraham is there sitting in his tent and three men pass by 
And he invites them to come in and to be refreshed and to have a meal. And two of those men happened to be angels, and one of them happened to be the Lord himself. Now, Abraham didn't know that. They were just strangers passing by. But in the course of the meal, he discovered that these were actually angels that had come under the shelter of his tent. And so I, I believe certainly the author's making an allusion back to that, but he's telling us that that kind of thing is possible. You know, it's possible that there might be a person who is actually an angel in disguise, disguised as a human being, that as we would reach out to them and, and show them hospitality, we would actually be ministering to an angel. I read an article in USA Today about a, a family in Scottsdale, Arizona, who went out to, uh, they went out to dinner with their family to celebrate the, the birthday of the mother. And the mother-in-law came along and she was elderly. And during the course of the meal, she had some sort of an episode where she stopped breathing and they thought, you know, she was going to die on the spot. And as they were trying to administer to, uh, you know, some sort of assistance to her, suddenly this woman showed up and said, I'm a nurse here, let me help. And she kind of took over everything, gave her mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, got her breathing again, and the paramedics came. And then as the family went to find the woman to thank her, she had vanished. Nobody had seen her leave. Uh, they went to the management of the restaurant. They said, well, you know, we think we saw her, but we don't know who she was. And she didn't eat here, and she left. And, you know, in the article, the writer actually referred to her as the angel nurse. And I wonder if uh, maybe they had some sort of background where they might have known this passage. So you never know. I mean, maybe she's just a, a lady who did happen to randomly show up and they'll find out later who she was. But at this point, they don't know who she was. She was just there at the moment, right at that moment. And they say that basically she saved the life of their loved one. So you never know. These things might happen years and years ago when Cheryl and I were dating I was working down in Huntington Beach at a surf shop, and as I was getting off work one evening and I went out, there was a lady on the corner of Pacific Coast Highway and Main Street, and she had to be in her 80s. Now, that's an unusual thing in and of itself right there. You usually don't see you know, ladies in their 80s hanging around at PCH and Main Street. So I, I thought this was a little bit different. <laughs> and so anyway, I found out as I, as I began to talk to her that she was trying to get back to her residence. And, you know, somehow she missed her ride or whatever. She wasn't able to get there. So I volunteered to take her. Now, Cheryl and I were dating at the time. And as I was driving her back to her place of residence, I began to tell her a little bit about my bride-to-be and the fact that we were going to get married and all of that. And she would say, think, oh, I bet she is just so beautiful. Oh, I bet she's just going to be the most wonderful. Oh, she is. She's going to be the most wonderful wife. I just, well, this is, yeah, I, I think so too. You know, this is great. And, and then I, you know, I was sharing the Lord with her a little bit. And I was talking to her about the Bible and about Jesus and what, it, you know, what the scriptures say and all that. So I get her back to, or I get her to the place where she asked me to take her. And then I said to her, I said, you know, I, I would just love for you to come to our wedding. And she said, well, I would love to come. And so I said, well, I'd, I'd like to send you an invitation. I took down the address of the place. She gave me her name. And then she said this to me. She looked at me. She said, young man, this is the greatest day of my life. 
because you told me about Jesus. And I was like, wow, this is great. You know, this is amazing. So I went back and I told Cheryl the whole story and she thought it was great too. And I said, okay, we're gonna send her this invitation. And, and we sent out the invitation and it came back and it said, no such person at this place. So I called the, the place and I said, well, I, I know the person lives there because I dropped them off there. And they said to me, they said, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, we don't have anybody by this name here. And we've never had anybody by this name here. So I concluded she was an angel. <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was one of those kinds of things where I, I walked away thinking, wow. That, because it was just so, there, there were so many things about it, you know, that were just really extraordinary. So you never know what is going to happen. So we have to be sensitive to those things. We have to be sensitive to, to those that he's referring to here, the strangers. Now, verse three, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. So remembering the prisoners, those who were in prison for their faith, those who were mistreated, those who were suffering persecution, that's who he's talking about here. And when he says, remember them, he's basically reminding us to pray for those who were in that plight. But remembering them, he says, as if you were chained with them. So when we think of those who are suffering for their faith, we need to put ourselves, he's talking about empathy here, we need to put ourselves in their place so we can, we can kind of feel, at least in our imagination, we can kind of feel what they're going through. You know, sometimes, it, I'm going to hope that you guys do this too, so I'm not the worst person in the room. But, you know, sometimes I have to confess that when I'm praying for people, I'm not praying with the passion or the intensity or the, or the focus that I should. You know, sometimes I hear about something and, you know, somebody says, oh, would you pray for this? And you're going to, okay, yeah, Lord, I just pray for that. And then I think, man, if I hope nobody prays for me like this, because if they do, God, it's pathetic. You know, it's, it's kind of a heartless prayer. You ever pray a heartless prayer? I confess I have done that. Um, but this is not that. <laughs> He's saying, don't, don't pray like that. He's saying, no, enter in, engage in, put yourself in the place where the person is at. So when we think of those who are in prison, when we think of those who are suffering for their faith, when we think of those who are persecuted, we need to, in our mind, put ourselves in their shoes, and we need to think, you know, how would I want somebody to pray for me if I were in this place? So we're praying intentionally. We're praying passionately. We're praying with confidence and faith. That's what it means to remember those who are in prison and those who are mistreated as though chained with them, remembering that we ourselves are in the body. They're part of the body. We're all together. You know, if you had a family member, say, a loved one that was in a situation like this, of course, you would be much more focused. It's all my son or my daughter or my, you know, whoever it might be. Well, remember, we're all part of the body. We're all part of the family. Those who are suffering in that, in that way, they are literally our family members, because we're all the children of God. So remember them in prayer. And then in verse four, he says, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read this verse, 
you wonder like, okay, well, what does this have to do with the context of everything he's saying? And, and I don't think that the biblical writers ever just randomly threw stuff in. I, I always look to find the connection. Okay, why, why, why does he say this here? And this is what I have concluded. Why he brings up marriage here is because, remember, he's talking to people who are suffering. He's talking to people who are wavering in their faith because of the difficulties. He's talking to people who are thinking about stepping away, stepping back from Jesus because it's uncomfortable following him closely, and they're looking to, to get out of that uncomfortable situation. And you know what happens sometimes when we go through difficulties? Sometimes instead of turning to the Lord or drawing near to him, we draw away from him, and then we go to other things to find consolation. We go to other things to receive comfort. And in some cases, what people do is they go into adultery. They go into adultery because they, they feel like, well, this, I'm, I'm going to get some comfort here from this relationship. I'm not getting it in the circumstances that I find myself in right now. You know, somebody recently was telling me about a person who's going through a crisis in their family because of the health of, of one of their children. And you know, the mother, of course, is all concerned about the health of the child, and the dad is all concerned about how now this new problem that the child has developed is going to interfere with his sex life with his wife. You think, what? But that's how selfish we can become at times. That's how self-centered we can become. And sometimes a crisis sets us up for temptation because we're looking for relief, we're looking for comfort, and we could be tempted to go in the wrong direction. So he just gives a firm reminder that marriage is honorable and the bed is to be kept undefiled. And then a firm reminder, God's going to judge the fornicator and the adulterer. And so he's, it's, it's really, you know, a, a warning in a sense, not to, not to look for comfort or, or, or security somewhere else, but it's also a reminder to be faithful in the marital relationship. And then in verse five, he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Once again, in the context, they had suffered the loss of possessions. They had suffered the loss of position. They had taken a financial hit because of their commitment to Christ. They were being shunned. You know, perhaps some of them were, you know, maybe they were shop owners. And the word got around, hey, don't, don't be buying your goods from these followers of Jesus. We don't want to give any support to them. And so they began to suffer financially because of their commitment to Christ. And then again, the temptation to go after money would come. And the author says, let your life be without covetousness and be content with what you have. And remember this, God has said he'll never leave you or forsake you. The Lord's with you. He's going to take care of you. And then he reminds them that the Lord is our helper. You know, we live in a climate today that is becoming more like the climate that they lived in. It's not, we're not there yet, but at the rate things are going, 
we could be there sooner than we think. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. In our current climate of social injustice and sexual ethics, many today do not believe that Jesus has any relevance for today's culture. But what exactly does Jesus say about social injustice and sexual ethics? And in a world filled with moral atrocities, have you ever wondered what it means when people say that God is love? What does Jesus' love actually look like in everyday life in the 21st century? If you've ever wrestled with any of these questions or know someone who wants to know who Jesus is, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443. Or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.